Thank you for listening to TMA's Practice Well podcast. TMA, helping you improve the health of all Texans. TMA has a long, proud history of promoting patient rights, advocating for physicians, and providing real solutions for your practice. We can accomplish so much when we unite in one voice. Call the TMA Knowledge Center at 1-800-880-7955 or visit TexMed.org to find out how you can join or renew your membership today. Hi, I'm Cheryl Kroviak. I manage the Texas Medical Education Center and produce the TMA Practice Well podcast. Today, I bring you a taste of TexMed from TMA's annual conference. TexMed offers free CME courses to members and their staff, and I'm happy to share with you a snippet from one of the popular talks this year, the George Hugman Ethics Forum, where a panel of diverse physicians address common barriers to patient communication in a controversial environment. Please enjoy this taste of TexMed. Welcome. This is the George R. Hugman Ethics Forum presented by the Board of Counselors. I am Elisa Berger. I am a urologist from College Station and the chair of the Board of Counselors. Um, We're just going to start out with scenarios. A patient objects to the use of blood products for religious reasons. However, the physician recommends a procedure that involves the use of serum albumin derived from blood. How should the physician approach this situation in order to balance the patient's religious concerns with the physician's medical concerns? Does the approach differ if the patient is a minor and the parent and or legal guardian objects based on the religious beliefs? And we'll start this one out uh, with Dr. Alozi. Yeah, I I don't know if this is the hardest of the three so far or the easiest of the three. Um, I mean, sometimes I think that vaccinations are easy compared to this because it's a yes or a no, right? And you have a relative risk of, first of all, getting an infection, they're responding to the infection, or do you go to the hospital or not? There's a host of Swiss cheese models that come into effect with the SARS-CoV-2 infection, right? That the vaccination can change your risk, but not necessarily reduce it to zero. This is a little bit different. And I think palliative care sees this a lot. Um, in the hospital, we see this a lot. I do a lot of um, ID in the ICU and have three of these patients right now back home in El Paso that the family and the patient just refuse to get blood, right? And so we temporize and we have conversations with them every day. And every day it's a different conversation, right? The first conversation is, well, this is what we think will work. This is the sort of standard of care. We're not gonna do that because of X, Y, Z. You come back the next day. Um, Have you had a chance to think about this? What are your concerns? I'm glad that we're having this conversation. Where can we go from here? What are the options? And like you said, and I think that's critical, we're not having a code conversation, right? Or a DNR, DNI conversation. Because once that's on the table, this conversation's over, right? It's really hard to pivot people back away from that. And I think whether it's the caregiver, whether it's the adult, if you lead with the compassion of you're trying to do, and I think we've all said that, right? You're trying to do what's best for their family member. On average, that gets to people. 
There are, and I think also we have to be careful of not trying to be miracle workers in this space, right? We're all sort of type A personalities and we're all sort of used to working through med school and undergrad and fellowship and whatever. And it's our power of spirit, right? Our power of will that has gotten us to certain places. That's great in academics. It's not so great in human beings, right? And human beings recoil to that. And there are some times that we just have to, for lack of a better term, take an L on it, right? And allow them to make those definitions and those decisions that they want to do, right? Again, you said, check your ego at the door. Um, that was the whole Michael Jackson heal the world thing when they were recording. And you have to check your ego consistently, not just at the door, but in the room and having a conversation. All right, we do have more hypotheticals. A patient discusses his gun collection with the patient's physician. The physician becomes concerned about gun safety, especially since the patient has young children at home. The physician asks questions about keeping the guns locked up. The patient becomes upset and accuses the physician of conspiring with the government to take guns away from law-abiding citizens. How should a physician approach this situation with the patient? Does the approach differ when the physician is trying to address the parent or other legal guardian of a minor patient about gun safety? So um, I, I have the advantage of living in Galveston and then also growing up in um, East Texas. I went to high school in a little town called Corrigan, which is um, 25 miles south of Lufkin. And I have my in-laws that live in Nacogdoches. Um, and I have the ability to relate to patients in that particular way because my in-laws are avid gun owners. Uh, they like to engage in hunting and they are very careful about how they, about how they lock up their guns, especially when young children are in the house. And so I use the sandwich technique with that. I say, so what do you like to do with guns? Do you like to go do target practice? Do you like to go shoot? What do you go shoot? Is it ducks? Is it deer? Um, tell me about what you like to do. And so um, I've used that technique and then I said, so um, once you are done with your guns, well, what do you do with them after that? And then once that happens and then they tell me about that. So, well, you know, how do you feel about how you are storing them? Do you think that's an effective way of storing them? I don't automatically say you're doing the wrong thing. And so those types of techniques are things which I've used and not just with guns. I've done that with alcoholism also. Well, I should not use the word alcohol in temporary use of alcohol for patients to have diabetes and how it affects them. So um, how are you doing with your liquid calories? So um, tell me about soda. Um, so tell me about Starbucks. So tell me about alcohol. And so I find a way of sneaking that in there in that way. And when you start with the less judgmental thing um, that many people feel is judgmental of them, then they're more likely to give you what they think is the truthful answer after that. To get the complete course and earn CME credit, click the link in this episode's description or go to www.texmed.org forward slash education. Remember to like and follow the TMA Practiceville podcast so you get every episode. Until next time, stay well.